Welcome in, welcome in. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock, and you are back with the second day of uh the Peach Day Tailgate Sports Podcast annual inaugural first time show mock draft. I'm Kenny Cochran. This is Jake Hewell. Yeah. Let's get down to business. Oh, it's gonna be a fun day here. So yesterday we went out, we did picks one through sixteen. Um I thought me and Kenny were gonna run into some uh some differences. Whenever we talk about our like, you know, draft rankings and stuff, sometimes we do have our own differences and we like to debate that. But surprisingly enough, I will say one through sixteen we had a pretty similar feel for the most part. Um real similar. I'm gonna go ahead and give a quick little rundown through my top sixteen, no explanation, just going through the teams and give my picks just in case nope, you missed the first episode and you're kinda of hopping in now, Kenny. I'll let you do the do the same thing. I'm sure you probably still have your picks in front of you, right? I do. Okay, so but number one, I had Bryce Young going to Carolina. At number two, I had the Houston Texans selecting Will Anderson from Alabama. Um, at number three, I had Arizona selecting Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia. Number four, I had Indianapolis selecting quarterback Will Levis from Kentucky. At number five, I had Seattle selecting Tyree Wilson, edge rusher, Texas Tech. Number six, I had the Detroit Lions selecting Devon Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois. At number seven, I had the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Jackson Smith in Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State. At number eight, uh, I had Houston making a trade up with Atlanta to grab C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. At nine, I had the Bears selecting Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle from Ohio State. Three Ohio State guys in a row right there. <laughs> At number 10, I had the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith. At 11, we had the Tennessee Titans getting their quarterback of the future with Anthony Richardson from Florida. At number 12, I had Atlanta grabbing the versatile offensive lineman Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. At number 13, we went ahead and got Dalton Kincaid to join the Green Bay Packers and help that, you know, that new offense out. Um, at 14, we went with Miles Murphy to New England. At 15, we had the Jets select Broderick Jones. And at 16, the final pick we made yesterday, I had the Washington Commanders selecting Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, we're so similar from 1 to 16. It is uh, very similar. We... I'll tell you what, we made a lot of the same picks and a lot of the same teams, but we kind of went in a roundabout way to get there. Yes. Um, I think I was a little more trade-oriented than you were. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like in the amount of trades, but maybe I had a, a couple bolder trades than you did. And um, but at the end of the day, we ended up with you know very similar picks. Um, right now for me, I got Bryce Young going one to the Panthers, Will Anderson going two to the Texans. Jalen Carter going three of the Cardinals. Will Levis at four to the Colts. Tyree, Mills, Tyree Wilson at five to the Seahawks. I got the Texans trading up for the Lions' sixth pick to draft C.J. Stroud to be their quarterback. I've got Peter Skronsky going seven to the Raiders to play guard. I've got Devin Witherspoon going eight to the Falcons. Paris Johnson going nine to the Bears. B. John Robinson going ten to the Eagles here. A little Miles Sanders replacement. And then AR-15, Anthony Richardson going 11 to the Titans right here. Malik Willis replacement. Um, at 12 from the Lions trading pick that they brought in from Houston when they traded six, went back. Um, I've got them taking Nolan Smith right here. Defensive end slash outside linebacker slash edge rusher from Georgia. At 13, I've got the Packers in hilarious fashion finally drafting a first-round wide receiver talent in one of the worst wide receiver rooms that we've had in a draft in a long, long time, Aaron Rodgers leaves the building. He is now officially a New York Jet. He was introduced today to the team. 
So uh, shout out Aaron Rodgers, shout out Jets fans everywhere. I'm sure you guys are excited. Um, but yeah, JSN going to the Packers at 13. Go give Jordan Love some help. That wide receiver room is so bad. Um, I also have Miles Murphy going 14 to the Patriots. A little bit of a bold take here, I think, by both of us thinking that he's going to drop that low. But, you know, really wouldn't be that surprised when you look at what this board looks like 1 through 15. Mm-hmm. Um, because of 15, the New York Jets are going to take Broderick Jones to come play right tackle for him. Line up on the other side of Makai Becton. Protect that 39-year-old quarterback that you bring in to win you a couple Super Bowls. And ran on that for me, I also have Christian Gonzalez going 16 to the Commanders. All right, so a little summary. We were the same 1 through 5. We both had um, the Bears selecting Paris Johnson Jr. with the, with the ninth overall pick. Um, we You had Houston trading up to six. I had him trading up to eight. We both had him getting C.J. Stroud from a trade, though, so that's pretty significant. Um, we both had Richardson going 11 to the Titans, and then we finished it out 14 through 16 with the same exact picks with Miles Murphy to New England, Broderick Jones to the Jets, and Christian Gonzalez to Washington. So that gives us a whopping, what, nine of the 16 same picks. 10 if you count CJ Stroud. So a good bit of the same, which is interesting. And I also, before we get going into this, you know, 17 through 32, I want to mention the only person that Kenny took in his top 16 that I didn't was, uh, I almost said Kenneth Murray or Kenneth Walker. Uh, was B. John Robinson running back from Texas. Obviously, he had him going 10 to Philly. And the only person that I took that he did not was Dalton Kincaid, where I had him going 13 to Green Bay. So two big time offensive weapons that, uh, Majority of the teams are probably going to have their eye on. Yep. Um, but yeah, that uh, pretty much sums up yesterday. Um, if you missed it, um, you can always go back and check out the live. You can go check out the podcast. It's it's there on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts, all your fun things. So go back and check it out. And uh, Kenny, how about we get this thing started? And yesterday, I was the one that kicked us off with the first overall pick, and I happened to end it with the 16th pick. So I will let you get us kicked off with 17. All right, all right. Well, um, at 17, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Blah, blah, blah. Pittsburgh Steelers picking right here. Um, this Pittsburgh Steelers team is really, really young. They got a lot of good talent, and they're a pretty promising team. This is a team that was one game out of the playoffs last year, really had a shot to make it, just needed a couple things to happen that didn't. Um, so they've got a lot of holes. They really do. And, and, you know, that's kind of a good thing if you're a Steelers fan because I think that means you've got several areas that you can improve in to reach your full potential. It's not like you're one position group out from having a really good team and you still miss the playoffs. This is a team that was a fringe playoff team and is missing a lot. Um, But to me right here, man, I think you got to go offensive line. I think Kenny Pickett needs to be protected as your franchise quarterback. You got Najee Harris back there. You finally got a really, really good wide receiver room for the first time since AB and Juju. Um, it's time to protect these boys. Give Kenny Pickett some time to dis- to uh, distribute the ball and go win some games, man. Here, there's there's two tackles I think that are left on the board that would be really really good picks for Pittsburgh here. Um, and I'm going with the guy that I have graded above, and this for me is Mr. Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Um, really really impressed from what I see from Darnell, especially in that Alabama game. Jake mentioned it yesterday. Dude really handled Will Anderson really really well in that game. Um, this guy's gotten a lot of heat pretty lately. I think, you know, his name's crept up on a lot of people's boards, and um, I think him going 17 right here to Pittsburgh is going to be the right move for them. I love the pick. Uh, Donald Wright is an absolute stud, and if you think that they need offensive line help, I agree with you. I don't know if there's a better guy you can bring in that's left on this board than Darnold Wright. So I, I think that's a great pick, Kenny. And uh, 
I also went offensive side of the football right here. And let me tell you, this guy cannot drop any more on my board. Um, leading off the day for me at 17, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting Bijan Robinson running back from Texas. All um, right. It is an interesting pick because you do have Najee Harris. Now, I will say this. Najee Harris is a guy that does have his question marks. Um, He did have a little bit of a down year last year coming off of a really, really good rookie year where he rushed for 1,300 yards. Still a 1,000-yard rusher last year. Did see a little bit of a drop in the in the receiving game. This is a guy that you could throw next to Najee and give Kenny Pickett another weapon. And he could surpass Najee in this offense and become that true number one running back that could do it all. If you want to give a second-year quarterback with as much talent as Kenny Pickett as much help as he can, I don't see a better option than taking Najee Harris. If he does happen to fall to 17, I feel like he has to be the pick in this situation. I like that. Um, and he also, this isn't a replacement to Najee. No, no, not at all. But more of a compliment. And um, you know as well as I know because, you know, the teams that we're fans of and the teams that we watch on a daily basis. But a, a running back that can get out of the backfield and get the ball in space is – I mean, it opens up your offense when you when you have a hard time protecting a quarterback. So, you know, I went the most direct way to protect a quarterback with an offensive tackle. You went the second best way with a check down option. So either way you look at it, you're developing a young offense. So I like that pick a lot. I mean, look, I think he's going to be gone by this point, but you're right. I mean, he can't fall much further. Yeah, and I feel like Pittsburgh is in a situation they can take him. Um, obviously, right. I don't think Pittsburgh is a super dominant team. I mean, you look at the upside of this guy. People are saying this is the most surefire running back prospect we've had since Saquon Barkley, and that's, you know, all respect right there. Saquon coming out of Penn State was a huge deal. Um, and I legit have in my notes right here nothing negative. The only yeah. player in this class I cannot honestly give you anything negative. He can run between tackles. He can get over the edge and get in space. He can catch the ball like a wide receiver. He can run routes like a wide receiver. He can pass protect. Bijan Robinson can do everything on a football field at the running back position. Yeah, dude, I love B. John. I mean, not much else to say from me on this guy. This is uh, one of the best running back prospects I think we've seen in a while. All right, so that takes me to 18, um, where we have the Detroit Lions getting their second pick in the first round. I do want to note before I make this pick that I had Detroit taking cornerback Devon Witherspoon um, from Illinois earlier on with the sixth overall pick. And with the 18th overall pick, I have the Detroit Lions selecting Elijah Cansey, defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. Um, Kalijah Kansi, he is a very intriguing prospect in this draft. Um, obviously he had tremendous sack production from the interior offensive line spot in college, uh, four, 14 and a half sacks as a two-year starter. Um, and the Aaron Donald comparisons are going to come because he is coming from Pittsburgh and he is the most prolific Pittsburgh interior pass rusher they've had since Aaron Donald. Um, but one thing that's notable about him, he is very, very undersized and there are question marks that he can be a you know, a three-down defensive lineman at that defensive tackle spot, or is he just going to become a third-down guy that rushes the passer? Who knows? I think the upside is there. I think he really, really fits this Detroit system. He can fit this scheme, and he can get to the quarterback at the end of the day. I am very surprised by this one. You are? Um, I, I, I figured you would because yesterday, whenever you were you, near the end of it, you had gave your top three remaining defensive linemen on your board, and he was not listed in your top three. I'm oh. very surprised by this one. For one guy in particular, or one reason in particular, which is one guy. But I I did not expect this one. Um, he, The guy you're thinking of is my third defensive tackle in this draft. Okay, so he's next. If he goes in this round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right, so at 18, we got the Detroit Lions. Um, earlier in the draft, I had them taking Nolan Smith at 12 in that trade with the Texans. Um, right here, I think they go Brian Branch. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I like Brian Branch a lot as a prospect. This is a guy that's getting NFL comparisons to Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, if you're getting NFL comparison to Minka Fitzpatrick, that's a really, really good thing. A lot of things point me towards Brian Branch becoming a Detroit Lion in this draft. Um, one thing in particular, I think with this being the second pick in the first round for the Lions, um, you know, you, you, you can kind of go for a more versatile player. You're not looking for a one star-studded guy to come out there and make an immediate impact like you are with Nolan Smith. Not saying that Brian Branch isn't or, or couldn't be that, but this is a guy that's kind of a hybrid safety. He can come down and play the run. He can go out, you know, cover a guy man to man. And you bring in a guy in CJ GJ to do, uh, you know, a pretty similar thing. Who's a really physical safety as well. So I think we bring Brian Branch in. First of all, the physicality screams Detroit. It screams MCDC. Um, second of all, I think he's a really really good player. Third of all, Brian Branch is a graduate of Sandy Creek High School in Fayetteville, Georgia, which is a uh, very local school to us hometown boy also the alma mater of detroit lions legend and hall of famer calvin johnson nice very well said so you have brian branch probably the best player available left on this draft we're going to i do detroit at 18 i like it right here right here baby um and it's my turn to kick this one off yep you go to number 19 all right, I've been waiting to, to call this guy's name because I didn't know where he was going to go. Don't really have a lot of input here, so I'm going to kick it immediately to Jake because Jake can give some better analysis. Um, this is a strictly hype pick. This guy's got all the intangibles to be an absolute animal. Um, there's a, a big question about you know playing time and what's he going to be, what's he going to develop into, but I think this is kind of an Anthony Richardson-esque pick where you take them and you hope for all of the upside. At 19, I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Okay. Van Ness going to Tampa. They need help, man. There's a lot of avenues Tampa could go here. This team is in a really, really bad spot. You use Tom Brady, you lose pretty much everybody, but you've got a good offense. Um, Skill-wise, a really good offense. You bring in a guy in Baker Mayfield to compete with Kyle Trask at the quarterback position. There's been rumors that they could go quarterback, but I think that if that opportunity arises, it'll be later in the draft. Um, right here, I think you got to attack where, where you need the help the most. And um, you bring in a guy a couple years ago in the draft, and Joe Tryon Shoyinka, who is a really, really good player. A lot of, Not a lot of people know about him, um, who's playing on the other side of the ball from Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett getting a little bit older. Production's falling off a little bit. He's making a lot of money, so uh, I think he's probably on the tail end of his career in a similar situation to what we've seen a lot of people do in the NFL. And um, what better situation to bring in an absolute stud in Lucas Van Ness than right here, right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, I I love that pick. I mean, obviously, you know, Lucas Van Ness was a guy I was really, really high on um, for a while. I had him going to, uh, eight to Atlanta for a minute. Um Physical tools, absolute freaking nature. Obviously, I'm not going to get too far into it because he's still a guy that's left on my board. But I will say this at the end of the day, I do love that pick. I think the upside is tremendous. And that takes me to number 19. And maybe I'm an absolute hype boy right here. Maybe I'm following the trends that we saw five months ago. But I did not change my mind. At number 19, I have Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame. Yeah, I love this. This is one that we that, that has been one of those picks that we've kind of seen floating around. And obviously, the Rob Gronkowski, you know, 
talks, the comparisons are all there. Now, I will say whenever this pick was floated around, there might have been a thought that maybe we were going to get another year of Tom Brady. And obviously, that's out of the question now. But I look at this Tampa Bay Buccaneers football team, and I look at a football team that still thinks that they might have some winning left in them. Um, I know the Falcons have not made a ton of moves this year. That's our home team. We're going to root for them. The Saints went out and got Derek Carr at the quarterback position. But overall, still a pretty weak, unproven division. And Tampa Bay still has guys, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. They still have a lot of their weapons. And I think they want to try to squeeze that last little bit of juice out of these guys before they just go into full-on rebuild mode. I don't know if Baker's going to be that guy, but I, I feel like they have to feel somewhat confident with having Baker Mayfield in the building, and, you know, at least hoping that upside can play up to, you know, building a winning football team. Um, right. And obviously, I think Rob Gronkowski was, you know, a pretty big miss for them last year. Um, they did have Kate Otten, who was – you know, somewhat solid, but missing Gronk was huge. And this is going to be the guy that could be your next Rob Gronkowski. Tremendous with going up to get the ball. Great size. Um, really, really physical in the run game. Obviously, he is a guy that does have his negatives. Um, after the catch ability is not there, almost non-existent. He's not really going to make any tremendous plays after the catch. And obviously, he's he's not very quick off the line of scrimmage. He's, he's pretty underwhelming on the athletic side, but physically, this guy is probably the most well that's probably the second most gifted tight end in this draft i love this pick dude i was all over this one didn't pull the trigger but i have nothing bad to say about this i can definitely see this happening and and when i mention not athletic i I don't mean ball skills this guy has tremendous ball skills for his size he can go up and get the ball he's you know up there with kincaid as you know a pass catcher i'm just meaning more like a you know mark andrews s we talked about this yesterday probably off air the guy he can block he's physical but after he after the ball's in his hands, he's not gonna do anything that's gonna show up on highlight tapes. Right. Um the most he's probably gonna do is just moss a DB twenty five yards down the field in the end zone. That's what you're yeah. gonna be looking at with Michael Bear. Um but that leads me to number twenty, and this is gonna be a very interesting pick for me because this is the second guy at this position that's coming off the board, maybe he might not be the second rated on on some people's boards. I had the Seattle Seahawks taking Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College with the twentieth overall pick. To me, this is my wide receiver too. Um, obviously this offseason, he put in a ton of work, went out and gained like 15 pounds. He was some scrawny guy at Boston College. Then he went into this workout program for three weeks and came back jacked as hell. Um, 4-4 speed, tremendous athlete. Um, and outside of DK and Tyler Lockett, which I know that's a fantastic receiving duo, there's not much help there at the wide receiver position. So I really think this could be that third guy. This offense is good. This is a team that wants to win football games right now. And I think the way you do that is you go get Geno Smith one more weapon and bring in Zay Flowers. I'm all over Zay Flowers, dude. I love him. Um, pretty bold pick by you, I will say. I think uh, this is a guy that's been creeping up, but I don't think he's made that leap yet. So, But I commend you for it because I do like him a lot. I like the boy from North Carolina a lot, too. I think they're both similar uh, caliber receivers in this draft, and they're both pretty slept on. So I respect it. I respect it, and I love it. Um, I personally... Had the Seattle Seahawks trading this pick. Okay. And they're trading this pick because the Dallas Cowboys are moving up to 20. They're getting rid of their 26 pick for a first-round pick swap, trading a second next year and a third next year to move up to 20 because the Dallas Cowboys are ready. They got the weapons out wide. They got the running back and Tony Pollard. They got the quarterback that they paid the money to. They got the defense that they've been building. Dan Quinn is there. What do they need? They need Dalton Kincaid. He's going 20 to the boys right here. Boom. Boom. Drop the mic. They need a tight end. 
You bring the best one in this class in, in my opinion. Uh, generational talent in Dalton Kincaid, I, I truly do believe. And um, he's also the same name as your tight end that you just lost this year in Dalton Schultz. So, uh, you know, maybe you, there's a little familiarity there. But bring in Mr. Kincaid. Make the move up. You're not going to take anybody else. And I, I'll say that because I think there's a chance that Seattle could potentially go tight end here. And, um, you know, that just falls in line with you, Jake, because you had him taking another pass catcher and the receiver. But I think there's a good shot that they take a tight end. And if they don't, they're followed up by the Chargers. They're followed up by um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I know have an Evan Ingram. Um, but these are young teams. And if there's anything that young teams have shown us in the NFL, it's that you need offensive weapons to succeed. Just ask Joe Burrow, ask Patrick Mahomes, ask Josh Allen. And um, when you have an opportunity to get a guy like a Michael Meyer, or like a Dalton Kincaid, or like a Zay Flowers, or whoever, um, I think you take it, especially when you need it. And uh, I think the Cowboys are really, really missing that in the middle of the field right now. Okay, so somewhat similar right there. We both went uh, offensive weapon, playmaker that can make plays on the offensive side of football, which is yep. beautiful. Um, I, I think that's the route that Seattle definitely goes. I don't think there's a question about that, especially with that second pick in the first round. They can have a little bit of room of play right here. A little bit flashy is what I like to say. They get a little flashy. I'm going to put it out. Hey, don't forget, they traded this pick. This is the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, Cowboys, my fault. You had the Cowboys trading up. Okay, Cowboys. The reason. I mean, yeah, reason. okay, I, I did have something to say about this. Um, I Go thought ahead. about it, and then I completely forgot about the trade. You're 100% right, because I, I think people are kind of forgetting about the loss of Dalton Schultz. This guy was an absolute stud with Dallas. Um, You lose him, your number one tight end on your depth chart now is Jake Ferguson. Definitely seems like a position of need. Um. They talked about how this, this team was really missing that number two threat last year behind CeeDee Lamb. They went out and got Brandon Cooks, and then you add a, another pass catcher like uh, Dalton Kincaid. I think it's a great move right there, too. Well, and, the, and, you know, you were talking about Seattle, and I'm going to let you rant, too, because that's the reason I had them making the move. You got to make the move to hop in, in front of Seattle, I think, because there's a, a really good shot that Seattle. If, if Dalton Kincaid's there at 20 and Seattle's picking there, I think there's a good shot he's gone. Um, and the same that. with Michael with Michael Mayer. And you had Mayer going at 19 to the Bucks, but if both of those guys are on the board, I think it'd be hard for a Seattle Seahawks team to, to turn away. And I like Noah Font. I, I think he's going to be a good player. He hadn't really gotten a fair shake yet. But um, still, I mean, you're talking about two potential generational talents. I agree. Um, and that leads us in 21. I believe this is me. This is. As uh, Eddie Rosario ties the game for the Braves. Let's go. I saw that. Um, at 21, this is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, little caveat to this pick. This is with the understanding that Austin Eckler is no more. Um, teams are exploring trades for Austin Eckler. He has requested a trade as of, I don't know, three, four weeks, a month ago, however long it was. Uh, he is parting ways with the Los Angeles Chargers after failing to reach an extension this has been a top five running back in the NFL for the past two or three seasons. Absolute animal. You know, one of the most numbers and stat producing guys we've seen in a while. Um, I think he's out of there. And I think you immediately have to replace him with a player with a similar skill set. And at 21, this is Jameer Gibbs going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Woo-hoo! Now we're getting spicy. Yes, I love this. I love Jameer Gibbs. There's an argument that he's running back one in this draft. I don't think so. 
But um, it's become a conversation here lately amongst apparently a bunch of uh, NFL organizations. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. But I do like Jameer Gibbs a lot. And I think uh, there's a chance that he could go right here to the Chargers if the Eckler situation pans out how I think it will. Okay, okay. Again, similar mindsets. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different than you. With the 21st overall pick, I have the LA Chargers selecting Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Again, we're hey. talking about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, a team that already has weapons, but a team that would benefit greatly from adding another weapon because Keenan Allen seems to be showing a little bit of age. Mike, Mike Williams seems to be that number one guy now. You can bring in this kid right here, absolute specimen of an athlete, first off. You can bring him in to a system that already has Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. He can just be your number three receiver for a year or two. And then as soon as Keenan seems like he you know, loses a step, which we did see a little bit last year with the hamstring injury, um, this guy could just step up and, and be that guy. And obviously in the short term, um, you're adding another weapon on already dynamic offense that could really take you to that next level. This Chargers team is knocking on the door. We thought that they had a really, really good chance at making a push last year before the season started. Didn't have the most electric season like a lot of people thought they would, but that team is still really, really good on paper. And I think the way that teams draft that are really good on paper add a little pizzazz to it. You see it happen year in, year out. They add this little bit of a flavor in there, and I think that's exactly the route the Chargers are going to go. Similar to what you're saying, my one concern with Jameer Gibbs is, it is, and this is the whole purpose of doing mock drafts, is that if in some odd case Austin Eckler does not leave, then you have, you know, two of the same people on the same team. Um, not really like two of the same people on the same team, but you know what I mean. Like not really change the pace back. This pick is with the understanding that Austin Eckler will not be a Charger tomorrow. Okay. I respect it. He'll be an Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta Falcon tomorrow. Exactly right. You're exactly right. We're rooting for it. Um, there are some negatives, though, to go on along with Quentin Johnson. Uh, a lot of people thought his production was not quite very consistent last year. Kind of disappeared in some games, uh, very notably against the University of Georgia in the National Championship. We kind of had that talk yesterday. Um, a lot of people did. A lot of people disappeared against the University of Georgia. Um, yeah. Unless you were a couple guys on the University of Ohio State or Garrett Neusmeyer. Wasn't that his name? LSU's backup quarterback? Absolute dog. Um, yeah, that, that, that's about it right there. Keyshawn Boutte. Um, that, that's not the only guys that ever showed up against the University of Georgia this year. And there was only one half of football that he showed up. Yeah, still lost by three positions. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Good stuff. All right, so that takes me to 22 with Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. All right, with the number 22 overall pick, I have the Baltimore Ravens selecting uh, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn State. Um, this is a guy that was ranked so high going into like the, the season. A lot of people had him as their cornerback number one. Obviously, you had a Devon Witherspoon and a Christian Gonzalez jump him as the 2022 college football season went on. Guys, let's not forget, this is the most physical cornerback in this draft. This guy is a specimen on a football field at the cornerback position. He is a big cat. Um, he does really, really well against jump balls. He's a fantastic tackler for the position. His negatives really um, are sometimes if he presses, he tends to get beat. Um, and he gets a little grabby as, as the route plays on. That, that's really my only two negatives on him. Could could pick up a little bit more athleticism, but I think when you're looking at a pure physical coverage corner, uh, Joey Porter Jr. is about as good as it gets. I agree. I agree so much that I also have the Ravens taking Joey Porter Jr. right here. We are back on board, baby. Let's go. Hey, we're not, we're not the road a little bit, but hey, we're there. This dude's got the potential to be a Jalen Ramsey-type talent. And um, 
you give them a shot. Every once in a while, these guys fall. I don't really understand yeah. why, but uh, Joey Porter Jr. is one of them. And um, I like him a lot, dude. He's You're right. He's a specimen. This dude comes in just shy of 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, he's got 10-inch hands and a 34-inch reach. Like, dude, is is he's going to be a beast. Yeah, and if you're Baltimore making this pick at 22, this almost seems like a gift falling into your lap <laughs> at the 22nd overall pick, in my opinion. Um, yeah. This guy, to me, is a top 15 talent easily. Yeah, all day. All day. I agree with you. Couldn't agree more. Um, that brings me to 23. With 23, I have a player that in the first 31 picks of this draft, I am the least knowledgeable on. But I've seen the hype. I've seen the tape. I've seen the intangibles. I've seen the size and the numbers. And at 23, I've got the Minnesota Vikings taking Isaiah Foskey edge rusher from Notre Dame. Um, This is a guy similar to Joey Porter Jr. where the size and the pure physical upside is worth the risk. Um, Isaiah Foskey is a guy, and let me pull up the numbers because I just clicked off it, but I was telling Jake beforehand, you're looking at a guy here in 6'5", 265 pounds that came out and ran a 4'5", 40 at the NFL Combine. Jumped 34 inches in a vertical, a 10-5 broad jump, repped out 225, 22 times. This is a guy that, honestly, is a, a physical specimen. I mean, I, I'm sitting here talking about the size, but he's quick, he's athletic, he's strong, he's got all the tools. The only thing about him, in a very similar way to a lot of UGA talent, is the numbers aren't crazy impressive. Um you're drafting a guy based on what he could be, what he could be outside of a system. Um, I think the biggest problem with this guy from the film that I've seen is that he has a hard time setting the edge. He's not much of a take a pull and guard and, and you know, make a, a massive impact in the run game. He's more of a get after the quarterback type player. Um, and an interesting NFL comparison for this guy that I saw somewhere, I can't remember where it was, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, and I, th- I think I like that a lot. And, you know, Yannick Ngakwe by no means is a, you know, a top pass rushing talent in the NFL. But with the risk of the NFL draft and how half of these guys aren't going to pan out at all, and a quarter of them are going to be solid players and maybe five of them are going to be all pros. Um, if you could tell the Minnesota Vikings that they could get a guaranteed Yannick Ngakwe career out of the 23rd pick, they'd take it. Oh, I guarantee it. That's exactly what I was about to say. So, uh, Isaiah Foskey, I'm, I'm buying into the hype here. He looks like an absolute grown man, and uh, welcome to Minnesota, buddy. All right, and this is bringing me to a very trendy pick. This is one I'm actually very excited for. With the number 23 overall pick, with the 23rd overall pick, let me say that, 23rd overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, I have the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings selecting Hendon Hooker, quarterback, Tennessee. Ooh. This one's spicy, guys. Um... Obviously, you look at Minnesota, you're sitting there thinking this team has a shot at making a run. You look at the season they put together last year, a lot of wins, a lot of wins. But let me tell you, them score differentials did not seem sustainable, and we saw that happen near the end of the season. I'm not saying this team is going into rebuild. Not at all. That, that's, that's not what my idea is. My idea is that you draft this guy with the first overall pick, you get five years of control with them. maybe you get two more years on a Kirk Cousins. That's completely fine. You let this kid sit behind Kirk, the talent is there. Let me tell you that about Hendon Hooker. The system that he played in at the University of Tennessee 
did not benefit him well. And the only problem with that is, is the only other tape we have on this kid was from, what was it? Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. And obviously, the Virginia Tech system, they're not much of a passing offense themselves. So we went from a non-passing offense to a, a passing offense that's so damn good that it can make almost any quarterback look good. <laughs> so um, I think this would be a great pick. Obviously, he is a 25-year-old rookie that is coming off of a torn ACL. That does make things kind of intriguing. But everybody is screaming that Hendon Hooker will be a first-round pick just due to that fifth-round option alone. And I think this is the spot where he's going to fall off the board. Dude, I like this. I love Hendon Hooker. I really do as a prospect. Um the whole age thing is the concern for him. I'm not a big age guy when it comes to grading these football prospects, dude. I'm really not. Um, I think the talent we've seen from Hendon Hooker is worthy of a first-round draft pick. And if he was healthy, I truly believe that he would be a top-15 pick. Um, we'd be talking about him like we are Will Levis. That's for sure, in my opinion. I agree. Um, I like that a lot. And I'm a Kirk fan. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. And that takes me. To another really, really fun pick. A team that is is a very intriguing team this offseason. They could really make that jump, in my opinion. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, obviously, we saw them make a playoff berth last year and look pretty damn good. Uh, came back, beat the, beat the well, I always want to say San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers in a great come-behind win. And with this pick, I'm going Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher, Iowa. Um, and you look I, at this roster, you see Josh Allen, you see Trayvon Walker. In the NFL, you win football games in two ways. Throwing the ball and stopping the other team from throwing the ball. I think Jacksonville has the whole throwing the ball thing down. <laughs> they have figured it out. They can throw the ball. Trevor it. Lawrence is a guy. Um, they can toss the ball around the yard. Now they have to stop other teams from throwing the ball. And you add a physical specimen like Lucas Van Ness alongside Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker on that defensive front. It is going to be a nightmare for quarterbacks. If you can develop this kid into what his potential could be, he is going to be a freak. Um, we talked about it way earlier on with uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. This is a very, very similar pick. Maybe not as defined as Tyree Wilson at this point in his career. Obviously, playtime has been a very significant thing in Iowa. He does not have much tape. But everything you see, he's kind of a similar prospect. Really, really does well with the bull rush. Obviously, with the size, it helps him a lot with the run game. Really, really long arms helps him, you know, stay away from the tackles. Doesn't really get sucked in. Um, but, man, I, I think this kid is maybe could turn out to be the steal of the draft in five years. That's definitely the upside for this dude. Yes. The question marks are there, but the upside is, is undoubtedly. Um, you know, it, that's that's why I mentioned him in a like Anthony Richardson esque position in this draft because mm -hmm. what you can get out of him is worth the risk. Um, I like that a lot. I went a different route, but um, we're all, all moving towards the same goal is to make the team better. Um, right here at twenty four, I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Anton Harrison, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. Okay. Um, this is a guy that I have become really, really high on. Um, this is a guy I wouldn't have had a first-round grade on last week. And um, as we go, he's getting closer to uh, some of the other guys up on the board. This guy's getting close to a Darnell Wright for me. Um, I love Anton Harrison. He's an absolutely massive individual. A um, little bit slow. Not the most athletic guy in the world. Um, and that's kind of been the knock on him is how is that tackle play going to translate to the NFL to be a left tackle? Well, good news for him. Jacksonville Jaguars have Cam Robinson playing left tackle. They don't need you to play left. Put him on the right side, or it's him or Walker Little. And I think you're going to go Anton Harrison here at right tackle. 
People forget the Jacksonville Jaguars just lost um, Jawan Taylor to free agency, who didn't sign with the Kansas City Chief at, Chiefs as the uh, Orlando Brown replacement. So you lose a tackle. You need to protect your franchise quarterback and your great wide receiving core. You just mentioned it, Jake. This team's going to throw the football. They got one of the best receiving rooms, you know, from tight end to receiver in the entire NFL. A great young quarterback, a good running game. You got to open up the field a little bit, give Trevor some time to get the ball out. Whether it's going to a check down or 40 yards down the field, it doesn't matter. And uh, what better way to do that than bring in a guy in Anton Harrison that I think can make an immediate impact at the right tackle position. No, I I love that a lot. Um, looking at the depth chart now, they're slotted in right tackle is Walker Little, a second round pick from last year. Um, if anything else, I think this team is in a situation where they can kind of bring in some competition. You don't have to draft a guy knowing that he's going to be a day one starter. I think this team is good enough right now where they could make a safer pick, like you mentioned, with the tackle and bring him in and try to have some competition. Um, yep. Obviously, that would sure, sure up this offensive line a ton, too. I mean, this is already a, a pretty solid unit. You bring in that start, that good left, good right tackle. I mean, you're going to be pretty locked in. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. All right. Um, this brings you to uh, 25. 25, a question that uh, Jake's probably been wondering. Who does Kenny have at two? At two. Going 25 to the New York Giants. I've got Jordan Addison. Hmm. Okay, the number two wide receiver off the board. I like it. Yeah, I have got Jordan Addison going to New York. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting pick for the New York Giants. The New York Giants were a playoff team last year. They pay their quarterback, you know, a bajillion dollars. They bring back Saquon Barkley on the tag. But the wide receiver room is so weird. Like, it, it, I'm not, I don't want to say it's bad. You got Sterling Shepard. You got Paris Campbell. You got Darius Slayton. You got Jamison Crowder. There's guys like Wandale Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins. Like these are guys that can play and that can produce, but you don't really have that guy. You know, they thought they had it with Kenny Galladay. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. They thought they had it with Kadarius Tony. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. At some point, you got to hit. You can make the move and go for a Quentin Johnson. You can make the move and go for a Zay Flowers, go for a Downs, go for somebody. But who better than to take the guy that has been the guy forever in Jordan Addison? Give the man a shot. Let him come in here. See what he can do for y'all. And I think this is a really, really good pick for the Giants. I think it could really pay off. They bring in a guy like Darren Waller to come play tight end. Let's sure up the receiver room a little bit. You've got a solid O-line. You've got a great defense. You've got a young quarterback and a running back. Let's let's see what we can really do and bring Daniel Jones in a number one wide receiver. I like that a lot. I I really do. That is a fantastic pick. Um, this is like you mentioned, he's been the guy. He was the guy with Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett. Um, he was fantastic last year. Obviously, it was more you yep. know postseason stuff that we saw him really drop down the draft boards. Um. I'm going a little bit opposite from you right here, and it's because this guy is still on my board. You might have forgotten about how long he's lasted. With the 25th overall pick, I have the New York Giants selecting Brian Branch, defensive back from Alabama. He is finally gone, and the reason behind this is is New York has a couple open spots in that secondary. Obviously, Xavier McKinney is a stud. He's going to lock down one of those uh, safety positions. Adoree Jackson's a very, very good corner. Um, But outside of that, we're looking at Cordell Flott slotting is their second corner if you want to move him out wide and play corner you can do that there's a spot open Bobby McCain Bobby McCain has been a solid player in the NFL not anything great if you want to play at the safety spot guess what you can do that this is a team that really really needs one of those ball hawking guys 
in that secondary. And I think that's where Brian Branch slots in perfectly. And you mentioned it, or we mentioned it a couple times throughout this spot draft. Sometimes you have a guy that seems like they're falling a little bit too far. There's a team that could even sniff that selection. I think it's here. And uh, Brian Branch, man, what a stud football player. This is going to be a fantastic pick for the New York Giants. Love that. I love Brian Branch, dude. I'm glad you got him going here. He couldn't fall much further. Mm-mm. Not too much further. Can't let him. To, Our, you can't let him get to one of these Super Bowl contending teams. Yeah, that's then. Is this you at twenty six? This is me? me at twenty six. Um, oh yeah, that's right. With the twenty sixth overall pick, I had the Dallas Cowboys selecting Deontay Banks, quarterback, Maryland. Again, yeah. cornerback room that features Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore. Um, let me tell you this, Stephon Gilmore is the shell of his former self. Um, I think that is more of a namesake pickup than anything else. I think the fan base is going to a little bit overreact and think that he's got a top-tier corner one. Really, has not really been the case over the past two or three seasons. And this is, to me, where you can add a freakish athlete on the opposite side of the field from Trayvon Diggs, who was already a freakish athlete. Kid's six foot tall, 200 pounds, stout, runs a 4-3-5-40. Um, probably one of the best athletes at the cornerback position in this draft. Um, and to be honest with you, in my opinion, we talked about earlier, this Dallas roster is pretty loaded. Like they have a lot of guys, um, right now. So it, it, this is one of those teams that can kind of slot in wherever they feel kind of the best player available type look. And I think at this point, this, this would be a really good selection for them. I like that a lot, dude. I'm real high on Deontay Banks as well. However, I do not have him going this high. And that's because at 26, this is where the Seahawks do the first-round swap with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys move up, take Kincaid. The reason they move up, ladies and gentlemen, is because they're worried that the Seahawks is going to take their golden egg, their prized goose. Guess what? The Seahawks say, yeah, sure, we'll take your pick. And then we'll go on down to 26, and we'll just take Michael Mayer at mm. 26. Welcome to Seattle, buddy. Love Michael Mayer. We've talked about him all episode. We don't really need to go too much in depth, but this guy is going to be a beast in the NFL. And what a great addition to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Weapons, weapons, weapons. That is what Seattle wants on this football team right now is my feeling. Um, you can never have too many of them. I mentioned it earlier I got mixed up thinking you took Kincaid to Seattle, but you threw a curveball. Still picked up a dynamic weapon at the tighter position for Seattle. Yeah, Seattle, Seattle said you're going to move up for your tight end. Come, Go ahead. We're, we don't care. We're going to get one anyways. We'll take your picks. The classic, we good. have two to three guys that we that we don't care to, that we would love to draft. If two of them go before, we'll just settle for the third. I like it. Amen. Amen. Settle for the third. We'll take your picks while we're at it. Now, 27. This is where it gets interesting. This is, this is where it gets really fun. If you have a brain and you understand English and you follow football, you understand that towards the end, of the first round of the NFL draft are the teams that are really, really good. Yes. Well, and right here, one of these teams. Yeah. <laughs> right here, we've got four, probably the four best teams in the NFL, and then the worst team in the NFL, and the New Orleans Saints. Not biased at all that I said that. Um, <laughs> there's a really, really interesting situation going on right now if you're following the NFL, and it is the DeAndre Hopkins sweet stakes. The D-Hop sweepstakes right now have been narrowed down to two teams in which D-Hop told his best friend, Adam Pacman Jones, on the Pat McAfee Show, according to his sources, 
that there are two teams left in the hunt, and by tomorrow, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be either a Buffalo Bill or a Kansas City Chief. I think he's going to be a Chief. I, I really do. I think it's going to happen. I think D-Hop's a Chief. Um, I know both of those teams are probably ridiculously attractive to a DeAndre Hopkins that has yet to have any postseason success. Either one of those teams, you get a top quarterback in the league, you get a top roster in the league, a great coaching staff, a great city to play for, a great stadium. What's the kicker? You're going to be the number one wide receiver for the best quarterback in the NFL or the number two wide receiver for one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a no-brainer for me, man. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are notable for bringing in these guys and getting the you know as much success out of them as they can. And they've not brought a guy guy in like DeAndre Hopkins. They brought in a guy like Juju and gave him a thousand yard year just about. They bring in a guy like Kadarius Tony that struggled with injuries his whole career and turned him into a number one wide receiver. What do you think they can do with a potential NFL Hall of Famer? All right. A guy that's still got a lot of meat left on the bone as far as how he can play. All right. I know he's getting up there in age, but he's not he's not as old as you think he is. I can promise you that. Um I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a Kansas City Chief, and that is very indicative of this pick because at 27, I got the Buffalo Bills taking Quentin Johnson right here. I think they need the help. I think they need the wide receiver help. They do have Gabe Davis. Obviously, they've got Stephon Diggs. Um, But this Bills team, in a a pretty unique way to everything else, doesn't really need a lot of help anywhere else. Um, They could go interior linebacker. They lose Terrell Edmonds. There are no first-round graded interior linebackers in this draft personally um they could trade back make a move but why trade back when you got a six foot three 200 plus pound go up and get a wide receiver in quentin johnson that you know probably has similar a similar skill set to gabe davis um i like that a lot for this bills team and i think quentin johnson this is going to be a really really good fit for quentin johnson right here i really do like that um Quentin Johnson is my third guy on my board. Obviously, he's off my board by now. Um, But, man, you feel him in there with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, you are talking about a fantastic offense. Um, Just adding on to the firepower that's already there in Buffalo. And and obviously, if Buffalo, for, you know, by by whatever chance lands D-Hop and not Kansas City, then this pick goes out the window. This is with the understanding that DeAndre Hopkins will not be a Buffalo Bill tomorrow. I respect that. I respect that. And tomorrow's going to be flashy, flashy, flashy. And mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, not even tomorrow because we don't even know the trade value. D-Hop's value might be set at the second round pick, and he might get moved Friday. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. So, um, kind of keep your eyes open over these next couple days. We got some fun things coming up. But with the 27th overall pick in the draft, I'm not going nearly as flashy as you. Um, This is where I have Brian Brisset, or Brisset falling off the board. Defensive tackle from Clemson. Um, this defensive front is already loaded. Um, mm-hmm. this team is loaded, like you mentioned it though. Good offensive line, good secondary, solid linebacker play. Um, they are missing that third receiver, like you mentioned. But luckily enough, um, I do think this receiver group is deep enough where I don't know. I've already had three guys off the board. Um, I do have Addison left. Maybe I'm not as high on Addison. Um, especially with this system, I don't think Addison is a great fit next to a guy like Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. That's one of the main reasons I don't have him here. Um. And whenever you can go out there and get a complete physical specimen, maybe even a lottery ticket with Brian Brisset, um, I think you can't miss. Big body guy, former number one recruit in the nation. Um, 
is a stud when healthy. Dude eats double teams, does everything you want to. Maybe not the most production statistically at the college level. When you look at a physical um, guy that just does not get beat up front, this is your guy. Um, obviously, a year or two ago, there was questions. This guy might be a top five pick. He was probably the guy coming out in his class. Uh, torn ACL and you know a shoulder surgery this past offseason have really, really dropped that number a pretty good bit. I think that's kind of where the lottery comes in. But you can get this guy fully healthy. You put him next to an Ed Oliver. You put him next to a, a, a Vaughn Miller. You put him next to a Gregory Rousseau. This defensive line could really take things to the next level, and I think that's what they're going to be looking at here. That would be scary. It would be. Could you imagine Ed Oliver and Brian Bruce? Like, could you imagine them two in the interior defensive line with no. Vaughn Miller on with Vaughn Miller and Greg Rousseau on the outside? Imagine playing a pickup basketball game against those four guys. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Just I, some of the mo- biggest freaks you could find on a football field. And they do have studs. The guys I just mentioned are studs. I mean, they still have Shaq Lawson. They still have AJ Espinosa. But I do think that interior spot is not a weakness because they they were the sixth best rushing defense in football last year. So I'm not going to say they can't stop the run because of the you know their lack of interior guys. Ed, Ed Oliver can eat space by himself. But it does seem like that number two defensive tackle spot could be something they could try to pursue, and I think that would be a fantastic pick for them. I agree 100%. I love that. Again, not the flashiest pick in the world. Probably not. Like, this is a guy that could easily put together a 10-year NFL career, and, like, casual fans might not even know who the hell he is. Yeah, that's very true. This this could be an Eddie Goldman situation. Yes, Eddie Goldman situation. Top 10 in his position for a long time. A lot of people probably don't even know who the hell he is. Falcons legend. All right, so that's me with uh with, with 28, right? Mm-hmm. And you have talked so much about trades and how you're predicting trades to happen, and I have kept my mouth shut. I have not predicted one move to happen. I have not made one pick based off of a trade happening. But right here at the 28th overall pick where Cincinnati is picking, I have them selecting Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee. Number one reason. Jonah Williams wants out. Jonah Williams requested a trade saying he did not want to move to right tackle after they brought in um, Orlando Brown Jr. from Kansas City. That would leave a gaping hole on that right side of the offensive line, and there's no better right tackle prospect in this draft than Darnell Wright. He is the number one right tackle prospect in this draft. If he could play left tackle, which I'm sure he probably could in the pinch, if he did play left tackle at the college level, he might have been the number one offensive lineman in this draft, realistically. Um... Cincinnati, another team, we talk about it, loaded all the way around. Um, they struggled with offensive line help two years ago. Um, they got slightly better last year. I don't think they want to take that step back down. I think no. that Jonah Williams is out the door. They're going to try to replace that guy day one. And there's not a better prospect to do it with than Darnell Wright. I completely forgot about Jonah Williams. But one right. out? Yeah, I, I completely forgot about that. Said he's not going to play left. He's not going to move to right tackle. I, mean, I don't blame him. That's a $50 million pay cut. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Immediately. That's a big difference. I, I wouldn't either. And it's especially for a guy that, you know, bar an injury is a solid left tackle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, That's crazy. I, I like that a lot. If Cincinnati somehow can get Darnell here, more power to him. I got him going earlier. Uh, but I agree with you. He's an absolute beast, and um, anybody's going to be lucky to get him. Rightfully so. Uh, I will say this. Over the past probably 72 hours, um, this guy's name has flown up boards. 
Yes, it absolutely has. And um, in similar fashion to you, Jake, here at 28, I've got the Cincinnati Bengals taking Brian Breesy, Brisey. Honestly, I have no idea the pronunciation. I think Breesy might be right. Um, no clue. Either way, they're taking him. Doesn't matter. Welcome to Cincinnati. Um, he's a freak. He's an absolute freak. He's massive. He's strong. He's fast. He's athletic. Injury problem, sure. But um, you got Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson rushing the passer here in Cincinnati. Really good inside linebacking core. Um, you know, solid defensive backfield. Could get better. Could definitely get better. They lost a couple guys here in the offseason. So you could see them go. Um, corner here was really, really close to pulling the trigger on uh, Keely Ringo right here. I got to tell you, I really was. I was real close. I did not. Um, and because Brian Breesy sitting right there, uh, you sure up this defensive line, bringing a guy in there that can stop the run a little bit for Cincinnati. Pair him up. You got DJ Reader and BJ Hill in there. Two solid guys. I think uh, DJ Reader will pretty soon be a cap casualty. Um, get him out of there, save some money. And uh, what better guy to bring in than a young Brian Breesy? I respect it, man. I think, again, to me, he is a fantastic lottery ticket in this draft. And if you're one of these teams that uh, had the luxury of making a pick late in the first round, obviously a very winning football team, um, I mean, is there a much better pick to make than a guy like this? Obviously, like we mentioned earlier, like I mentioned, he's probably not going to jump off the board like on paper with stats. He's just going to make an impact. He's going to make an instant impact in football games right away, just, just from physical attributes alone. If you throw him head-to-head -head with the center or lined up with a, with the guard, he is going to make an impact on a football field. Like, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. It's just a matter of fact that he can stay on the football field is his biggest question mark. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, that's going to carry me into 29. And at 29, again, in similar fashion to Mr. Jake here, I've got the New Orleans Saints taking Deontay Banks from Maryland right here. Um, hey. This Saints team's got a lot of holes they need to fill, but what they're not struggling with right now is uh, offensive talent. Um, you bring in Derek Carr to be your franchise quarterback. You got Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams. Um, you got Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. You still keep Traquan Smith at receiver. You got Brian Edwards at receiver as well. It's a pretty good wide receiver room. Um, could make some moves at tight end. Looks like right now the number one tight end, according to the depth chart, is Juwan Johnson. Um, obviously, you got the whole Taysom Hill dynamic in there, however that works out. Offensive line for New Orleans, really, really good. Defensive line for New Orleans is solid. Could get better. But where I think this team really could use some help is that corner. Because aside from Marshawn Lattimore, who's a really, really good player, they are struggling, man. Next guy on the depth chart is Paulson Adebo. Um, welcome to town, Deontay Banks. Deontay Banks is a freak of nature. This guy's got all the intangibles to be an absolute stud. He's really, really fast. He's really, really athletic. He's got... What a lot of people call some uh, Champ Bailey-like hip turn. He can flip his hips real quick, get downfield. His back pedal's crazy, but when he needs to dig those feet in and get downfield, he really can. And um, Marshawn Lattimore's not really known for doing that. Marshawn Lattimore is more of a physical guy, get in your face. Um, so I think the Saints team could really benefit from a guy in Deontay Banks. And, um, I mean, realistically, in the NFC South, there's not many guys – that you're looking at with a realistic chance to stop Desmond Ritter. Um, but if you're trying, Deontay Banks probably gives you a, you know, the best shot. Even if it's a 1% chance, it, it's better than zero. I 
Really liked that pick, obviously, because Deontay Banks was a guy who had to go off the board a couple picks earlier. Um, and honestly, I, I think that is the New Orleans Saints' biggest need at corner. Um, obviously, for me, I've already had all my first-round grade corners off the board. Keely Ringo is a guy that was kind of in talks here. I do think that he's going to fall a little bit farther than this pick, so I did not go that route. I ended up going the route of Osiris Torrance, guard from Florida right here. Now, you look at this offensive line with the uh, New Orleans Saints. They look pretty solid on paper, let me tell you. At the left guard position, it has been quite a struggle. Um, veteran guard, Andrews Pete, is still around. He's been there for a pretty long time now. But this guy has not been able to play more than like 13. He has not started more than 13 games since 2017. So it's been a while. And if you look at their recent history, this team is a team that has tried to build up their offensive line in recent drafts. Look back to 2017, Ryan Ramchett. Um, you look back to 2020, Cesar Ruiz to play the right guard position. Last year, they took left tackle Trevor Penning. You look back to 2019, in the second round, they took Eric McCoy. That is their whole starting offensive line. I think they're going to sure fire it up this year with left guard. And uh, there's not a better interior lineman prospect unless you consider Peter, Peter Skaronsky an interior guy. Then Osiris Torres. This guy is a physical beast up front. Yeah. I, uh... Don't want to say too much here. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll take it. I guess we'll I guess we'll take it to thirty, right? I think this yeah. is me. Um, at thirty, uh, luxury, luxury, luxury. Let me tell you this: two first round picks for a team that is already maybe the best roster in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, I had them helping the defense side of the ball earlier with Nolan Smith. Right here, I'm getting a luxury pick. We're going Jordan Addison, wide receiver Pittsburgh. And you're going right. to be looking at me. And my thing right here that I have, my very top note, Brown Smith Addison. Oh, my. Because that is what opposing defenses are going to be looking at. Um, This offense, if you add another playmaker, which I know they do have Quez Watkins, so-so. Uh, um, They do go out and get Alameda Sakias. I still don't see him as being a third wide receiver on a Super Bowl contender. That's not really my upside with him. Um. I think that they could use that true slot guy. Could you imagine Jordan Addison in the slot with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown out wide? Holy no. cow, that would be deadly. Athleticism and speed. That's what this guy brings in a football field. Not the biggest guy, but guess what? He's been a slot receiver. That's pretty much what teams are going to look at him as. And if he can just avoid contact, avoid hard contact across the middle because he does tend to get a little bit droppy whenever uh, he, he tends to take contact. Um... My biggest thing with Jordan Addison in this draft is special teams. I, I think that is what elevates him to the next level. This guy has had a lot of kick and punt return experience. He could be a dynamic special teams player day one in the NFL. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm trying not to say too much as we get into this conversation because... Um, I love Jordan Addison. We've already talked about him, but also uh, I'm, tr I'm just trying not to give away any hints at what my next pick's going to be, but I'm going to go ahead and go because I can't shut my mouth. Um, i got to say, Jake, I'm really impressed. We're very similar in a lot of our thought process. Um, I've got Osiris Torres going 30 to the Eagles right here. Okay. And I felt like it was kind of a reach. So when you took him to the Saints, it really kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. It really did because, uh, boy, we're I promise, anybody listening, we did not talk about this. Mm -mm. No, not at all. Um, 
I love Osiris Torrance. I love Osiris Torrance. I love Jordan Addison, by the way, I, but I've got him going to the Giants earlier. I, Jordan Addison is a guy that I've been high on for a long, long time. And yes, to answer your question, that would be a ridiculously scary situation. But here's why I think Osiris Torrance is a really good fit for the Eagles. Isaac Samalo, you lose him to free agency this past year, signs with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the only gap that this Philadelphia Eagles team has on offense right now, aside from a third option, a wide receiver, like you mentioned, is offensive or interior offensive line. You've got Cam Jurgens right now who's slotted in to play your right guard. This is a center that you draft. He's 23 years old, come in to play center to be Jason Kelsey's replacement. Jason Kelsey hangs out a little bit more. Obviously, Cam Jurgens, buddy, you're going to have to sit tight because Jason Kelsey's the best center in the NFL. Um they really need some guard help right here. And and when you're a team that thinks you could use some guard help and the best guard available is still on the board at 30, you take them. I think you got to take them. Um, obviously, Jake had him going to hit, so I'm not saying Jake's not smart for not taking him at 30 because he had him going at 29. Um, I love Osiris Torrance, dude. And I know he's a Florida boy. We're not supposed to love Florida boys. This dude is a dog. And I think his mentality is going to be beautiful in Philadelphia, standing between Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. No, you said it perfectly, man. And, and it, it is. Osiris Torrance is going to be one of those stories of this NFL draft, in my opinion. The guy that does go in the first round that a lot of people didn't expect. Because I feel like the notion of strictly offensive, interior offensive linemen don't go high has really, really been pushed this year. And I feel like it hasn't been as significant in the past. I mean, we saw the Atlanta Falcons, what, four years ago, take Chris Lindstrom, who was a pure guard, what, with the 14th or 15th overall pick in the NFL draft. And, like, Osiris Torrance is an amazing prospect. Like, I, there's there's no question about that. Like, this guy is a top-level prospect. Um, If we're talking about a prospect of this caliber at nearly any other position, he would have been off this board by now. It just happens to be a guard. So, I, I don't... I'm not really buying into all the noise that this guy is going to be available into the second round. And look, it's funny because I remember two weeks ago, I was sending texts in the group chat saying that, oh, yeah, he might be a guy we might get in the second round. And he yeah. very well could be a guy we could get in the second round. But just by gut feeling, I think that one of these teams um, are going to end up scraping this guy off the board late and first. I think it's going to happen. I agree. I agree. You want me to tell you about another guy that's going to get scraped off the board at the end of the first? Is this okay? So this is going to be your thirty-one. This is my Kansas City Chiefs number thirty-one pick right here to finish the first round. Okay, okay. I'm telling you right now, Jake. A lot of people want to talk about talent. They want to talk about guys. They want to give their ideas right before the draft about how this guy's here, this guy's here, this guy's better than this guy. I know we've been talking about this guy for two years, but trust me, this guy's going to be better. And then he ends up being Zach Wilson. So things like that are going to happen, all right? Don't let the noise get to you. But it also happens in the other direction. Let me ask you a question here, Jake. You better have Henry Hooker go 31. Yep. He's like, like Colin Cowherd? <laughs> or who was it, yep, Colin Cowherd? To, to Patrick Mahomes. They're going <laughs> to, yeah. He's going to push Patrick Mahomes compete for that job. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read you some numbers. I just want you to. Give me your general opinion, all right? I'm not asking for anything crazy. Just general opinion. All right. We got six foot four, 240 pounds, 82 and a half inch wingspan, 
three-year starter on the defensive line. Six foot four, two eighty. No, six foot four, six foot four, two forty. Two forty, three year starter on the defensive line. Three year starter on the defensive line. All right. Hold on, I'm losing myself. Among three seasons as a full time starter, one hundred and twenty two tackles, thirty nine and a half tackles for loss, thirty three sacks, seven deflections, and nine forced fumbles. So he's a freak. He is an absolute freak. I have no clue. No clue how you can read those numbers and not wonder how is this guy not being talked about. This is Will McDonald from Iowa State. And welcome to Kansas City, buddy, because you're about to be the next great Chiefs pass rusher. Frank Clark, the shark, is out of the building. One of the greatest postseason pass rushers of all time. I believe second in the NFL in postseason sacks. Welcome in, Will McDonald. I looked up everything I can on this dude. When I started reading these numbers yesterday, I heard the name. I was familiar with the name. The reason I'm familiar with the name is because this dude recorded two, like, 11-plus sack seasons in a row in college football. Hmm. I knew he was a beast. I don't know why he's not being talked about, dude. I really don't understand it. I can't find anything negative on him. People say he's too small. He's, like, 6'3 and a half, 6'3 and some change, 241. For an edge rusher to me, I mean, it might be a little small, but he's bigger than Nolan Smith. And that was my 10th pick. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on with this guy and why he's not as highly talented as he is. I would not be surprised to see this guy go in the top 15. Okay, okay. And honestly, I wouldn't either. Um, We see a lot of surprises happen. Um, McDonald going to 31 with Kansas City. I mean, I think if you can grab a guy like that, I do think that would be something that Kansas City would definitely be interested in. Um, I love this dude. Mentioned it, Frank Clark being out in the building. Um, George Carl Loftus on one side, Chris Jones at the middle, Danny Shelton, they added him on the interior. Could definitely use another outside guy. And I, I think that'd be a great position for them to pursue. I think this draft is very interesting when it comes to edge rushers. I think that there is a lot of high, high, high profile talent that everybody's looking at. And it's kind of making some of these other guys get a little bit overshadowed. And that... Whenever stuff like that happens, that's when you see guys that were mocked to be in like people's 50s and 60s end up sneaking into the late first round. Um, but I do really like the pick, and Kenny, I'm about to throw a pick at you that I think that you're going to be very intrigued by. It's with the 31 with the 31st overall pick in the NFL draft. I had the Kansas City Chiefs selecting Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Um, I had him lasting. Oh, cool. Longer than you did. And you look at a team that has Isaiah Pacheco and has Clyde edwards Lair. Guess what, guys? Clyde edwards Lair is not him. Um, this team continuously played Jarrett McKinnon over him. McKinnon was their guy. McKinnon is no more right now. Um, obviously, I mean, I guess there's still a chance. McKinnon is still a free agent. <laughs> he could still join the football team. If McKinnon is on this football team, this is not my pick. But if Jarrett McKinnon is not on this football team, boy. Do I think this could be amazing? I think this would be a home run pick. This guy is electric out of the backfield. He might be the top pass-catching running back in this draft class, and that's going to be exactly what he's going to be asked to do in this Kansas City team. 
Um, we know Isaiah Pacheco is going to tote that thing between the tackles. They're going to want a guy that can get kind of flashy with Patrick Mahomes. And come on now, Jameer Gibbs. Could you imagine Jameer Gibbs and Patrick Mahomes on the same offense? No. Things would get freaky. Now, obviously, we do have a little bit of a difference. Like, it, I'm sure, like, you, you already had him go off the board, you know, quite a few picks ago. So, um, obviously, I think you would think this would be a steal. Um, but, yeah, I think he hangs around long enough for Kansas City to scoop up at 31. And I think if he is there on their board at 31, it's going to be a really, really tough pass, especially with how they treated Clyde Edwards-Flair last year coming off of a great rookie campaign. Right. I mean, you're talking about how impressive Isaiah Pacheco is. Isaiah Pacheco had a, an amazing year. I think he's going to be a beast, but he's a beast, you know, between the hashes. Yes. And that's really what he's made for. He's a big, strong. I mean, he's really not that big, but he's crazy strong. He's a mean runner, dude. You, he looks like he's trying to make the ground bleed when he runs. He just runs angry. And Jameer Gibbs is not that. Jameer Gibbs is very methodical. He's very analytical. He he takes his time. He gets the ball. He gets out in space. He makes you miss. He's light on his feet. He's the exact opposite of that. And you're right. I mean, you want to talk about taking the best quarterback in the NFL and making him more dangerous? Give him an elite check down. Now, I, I do want to note one thing, and I am sitting here screaming Jarrett McKinnon. He is not going to pass protect nearly as well as Jarrett McKinnon. Jarrett McKinnon right. was a fantastic pass protection guy throughout his tenure in Kansas City, throughout his whole career. This guy was a sneaky, strong guy. I want to say third, second or third most bench press reps ever at the running back position. Dude benched like 20-something times at, what, 5'9", 190 pounds. Like, <laughs> this guy was insanely strong. Jameer Gibbs is not that. Like, don't don't get me wrong. He is he's not uh he's not a physical specimen at all. He is just a freak of nature. Um, we talk about a team that had a McCole Hardman. Um, we talk about a team that has a Kadarius Tony. Obviously, Kadarius Tony has struggled with some injury issues too in the past. With uh, so maybe you don't want to really run him out there at special teams, even though he has so much talent there. Again, I look at this with a lot of special team upside, too. This is a guy that was a dynamic kick and punt returner at the college level, especially with Georgia Tech. I know he showed it off there. Um, worst case scenario, you have a top-tier return, man. Um, and a damn good pass-catching third-down back. He, I, I can almost lock to you that that's going to be him. Maybe I do have some questions with how much ability he's going to have to run the ball at the next level, but I, I really don't think that's going to be his job. I don't either, and I agree. I think... Uh... I mean, you give a dynamic quarterback a dynamic check down, it, it, it's dangerous. Yeah, and these running backs are hard to judge. Like, his pass-catching ability obviously puts him into a different level. But these some of these guys that just, you know, rely so heavily on getting around that edge and really pushing out in the run game, next level it doesn't translate well because at the college level you might run into one or two defensive ends that run 4-5 speed that are 280 pounds. At the NFL level, you're facing those guys 17 weeks a year, 17 games yeah. a season. So. That's where the difference kind of is. Now, I will say this. There's a lot of fast there's a lot of fast linebackers in college football. A lot of them guys run very, very well. Um, we're seeing the game shift to the college and NFL level. We're seeing a lot of 220-pound guys playing that linebacker spot. Now, I think man coverage, you man up a safety on him, you man up a linebacker on him, it doesn't matter. Jameer Gibbs is going to beat you. It's a beast. Um, and boy. That was that. That's interesting. He's going to be another guy to keep your eyes on tomorrow, man. I I was really like intrigued to see you have him go so high. 
I'm not saying I don't think it's going to happen. I definitely think it's a possibility for it to happen. It's strictly based off the hype, dude. I've heard so much about him being running back one in a lot of people's eyes. And um, typically where there's smoke, there's fire, especially with the NFL draft. So that's I mean, my reason for going that way. Mm-hmm. And like he could potentially be that, but I don't think there's going to be a team out there that drafts him as their running back. one. That's not really his... Right. That's not really going to be his game at the level, but there is a plethora of teams that could use that pass-catching change of pace running back. I mentioned it with Pittsburgh when I had Pittsburgh taking, you know, Bijan. What if Bijan's off the board three picks early and Pittsburgh falls down to, what, 17, and they're sitting there looking at Jameer Gibbs like, I could throw this kid next to Najee Harris. We're about to have a freakish tandem at running back. Um, There's a lot of routes this kid can go. I still do think Bijan's my number one. I think he is probably the best football player maybe outside of Will Anderson and Jalen Carter in this football, in this draft. Best running back prospect I can, I've seen in recent memory. Um, but Jameer Gibbs, man, that, that style of play is something different than we've seen. It's, it's crazy, dude. I think he's going to be so good. I'm going to say this as a Georgia fan. We saw James Cook go into the second round last year. For his play style at the University of Georgia. If James Cook is a second round pick, I have no reason to believe that this kid in Jameer Gibbs cannot go in the first round. And that's no that's no that's no knock on James Cook, but from what we've seen on tape, you draft James Cook as a pass catching back, and Jameer Gibbs at the college level has shown so much more ability to do that. And better than a lot of people in recent memory. Yes, yes, definitely. Not just last year. It's it's been crazy. Um, that just finished up our mock draft. We just finished up all thirty-one picks of our mock draft. Um, sure is there anything else you would like to talk about? I know that we had a couple guys that happened not to go. I did not have Will McDonald going in the first round. Um, I did not have um I'm trying to think about the guys that you had go that I did. I did not have Will McDonald. I did not have uh. You took another tackle, uh, Anton Harrison. I did not have Anton Harrison go in the first round. But I think outside of that, I think we had all the Isaiah same. Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah Foskey. And then the three guys that I had that you did not have. I know you did not have. Uh, I, you did not have. One sec. Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers. Elijah Cansey. That's right. Zay Flowers, Kalijah Cansey, and Hendon Hooker were my three that you did not have to go in the first round. So we had three three guys apiece that the other person did not have going in the first round. And it just so happened that all three of those guys, for me, were drafted in the top 20. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Besides Hendon Hooker, it was 23. I really like Keely Ringo. I do too. Real like Cam Smith, South Carolina. South Carolina DB. Yes. Yes, Cam Smith is a stud. He's one of those guys. And we talked about it, Kenny. And I, I want to hear this your thoughts too. We had talked about it with loaded draft positions, maybe pre podcast, maybe during the podcast yesterday. And but we never gave each other what positions we thought were loaded in this NFL draft. Um, what are those positions for you? Oh, in this in this draft class. Yes. <clears throat> I think this is a really, really, really elite tight end group. Um, I think that's the best position pound for pound in this draft is tight end. Um, I also think Edge is really, really good this year. 
Mm-hmm. I think there's a really great edge class. And I really like offensive tackle. Um, there's some good interior talent here, but offensive tackle, I think you go Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, Skronsky can play tackle, obviously, at a, at a high level. Um, we already talked about with uh, Darnell. Um, who else? And did I say Anton? Um, I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many that I'm forgetting their names. But I really like offensive tackle. I really, really like um, edge, and I really, really love tight end. And I think those are the three strongest groups this year. I agree with tight end for sure. I think that's kind of like a universal thing right here. We have really. I'm. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's interchangeable. I. I do. Really, really think Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mary are top two guys. And I do think those are going to be the only two guys we see go in the first round. Um, but I mean, you talk about a Darnell Washington. You talk about a Luke Musgrave who's been really, really getting some, you know, really heat right here. And I'm going to tell you a guy that has been getting a lot of love, and that's Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. This guy has yep. been flying up a lot of boards. Um, keep your eye on a lot of these tight ends. And to have, you know, five, and that's not even mentioning Luke Skewmaker from Michigan. Um, Sam LaPorter from Iowa, another guy that a lot of people are kind of keeping their eyes on we're talking about six to seven you know tight ends that could possibly go in the top three rounds which is is pretty pretty significant i will also have the same thoughts with you at the edge position um i mean honestly i i'm gonna say edge i'm gonna include jalen carter a little bit in that conversation say pass rushers because we are seeing an influx of defensive interior defensive pass rushers with elijah cancy and jalen carter i think those are the two biggest interior pass rushers with brian Breesy, you know being that not so much of a pass rush on the interior side, but just a havoc creature. But, um, man, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, Will McDonald, Lucas Van Ness, Derek Hall, Isaiah Foskey, BJ Ojolari, Nolan Smith, Byron Young. I mean, we're talking about every guy I just mentioned could potentially go in the first round. Um, BJ Ojolari is another guy that is not getting much talk, but he could go in the 20s. Like, you don't never know. This guy had great production at the University of LSU. Or we as in a state university. Let me tell you that. I think one thing about this draft class is I think the talent at the top, top, top tier is really, really high. I just think there's a pretty good drop off once you get down to the middle tier. I can agree with you. Um, I do still like the edge. I mean, we're looking at Andre Carter. This is that kid from Army that a lot of people had going in the first round a couple months back, and they were questioning yeah. if he could even go to the draft. Um. And we're talking about him being the tenth best edge rusher. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Um, the one position that you did not mention that I will mention, um, that's DB. That's corner, man. I was about to say that corner is overly loaded in this draft. There yeah. is a ton of talent at the quarterback position. We talked about Devon Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Brian Branch, Joey Porter Jr., Deontay Banks. Um, that's the guys that I think we both had going in the first round. But that's not even mentioning guys like DJ Turner from Michigan, Keely Ringo from Georgia, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Emmanuel Forbes, dude, he's the number one corner in this class for exactly. Forever. He weighs in at 166 pounds, and everybody says, "Oh, never mind." And then he's good for a reason, dude. Cam Smith from South Carolina, Tyreek Stevenson, a guy that's been getting some love from Miami. Obviously, a former Georgia guy. I mean, this cornerback class is legit. It is crazy. Um, yeah. And I'm going to tell you a position that I don't think it's super loaded, but I do like the talent there. And I think the reason that we're not really thinking it's super loaded is because of maybe um, this position is not really super desirable in the first round. It's not really a super valuable position anymore. But I do like some of these interior linebackers as day two picks. 
Um, yeah. We talked about a Drew Sanders, a Trenton Simpson, a Jack Campbell from Iowa, Henry Toto Toto from Alabama, Sewell. Noah Sewell from Oregon. There's a lot of guys that you could potentially grab day two or three that are going to definitely change your football team. We saw the Atlanta Falcons make a pick last year with Troy Anderson, maybe a guy that a lot of people didn't hear of. But, I mean, look at the impact he made on this football team day one. I feel like this middle linebacker position has really, really became um, kind of undervalued to a sense. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, five years ago, Trent Simpson from Clemson is probably a top 20 pick. Right. It's just in the era of throwing the football over the place, it feels like this position has became, you know, almost meaningless. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. There's That's the beauty of the draft, man. Everything changes and it continues to change until it's all over with. And then we talk about how much it's going to change until they play. It's, exactly. it's, it's a never-ending cycle. It is. It is. It, that That's it's the beauty of it. Um, the best thing is there's going to be so many surprises tomorrow. I guarantee it. Who knows? By the end of the night, Zach Evans might have been the second running back off the board. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. And I think I, 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 I'm going through a whole bunch of things right here. I really am, but I think this running back class is very good. Maybe not the top-end talent, maybe not the three or four guys that we see in every draft that could potentially be that guy. But I think, again, middle to late rounds, you're getting a whole lot of value at this running back position. I mean, Bijan and Jameer Gibbs are the two guys we talk about a lot. But you do have a Zachary Evans from Mississippi State. Not Mississippi State, Ole Miss. My apologies. You do have an Israel Abenakanda from Pittsburgh. However the hell you pronounce his name. You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet from UCLA. Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M. Kendra Miller from TCU. Um, Sean Tucker. People, Yep, Sean Tucker, Syracuse. People are forgetting about this kid right here. I really liked watching him play last year. That's Muhammad Ibrahim from uh, Minnesota. Minnesota's back. Mm-hmm. He's going into the draft. Kenny McIntosh. Let me tell you, if there's going to be a running back that could potentially be the third running back off the board and go in the second round of this NFL draft, I think Kenny McIntosh could potentially be that guy. Maybe he was a little bit slower in his 40 than what people thought he was going to be. But, man, when you talk about a team that's trying to, that has that power back, this is the guy that I have circled for Philly. I think this is a guy that Philly could pursue because they do have Rashad Penny. I think that they can go and get a Kenny McIntosh and make him their, yep. their third down back. Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell. Deuce Vaughn. I know people are saying Deuce Vaughn is 160 pounds and it's going to get thrown around the NFL. But, hey, hmm. he was a stud in college. And people are forgetting about Chris Rodriguez, a guy that yep. maybe a year or two ago people thought could potentially be, uh, you know, top running back prospects and people are having him ranked nowhere near the top obviously legal issues and stuff like that have kind of came in between that but hey he's a damn good football player oh man and like whenever we get to talk about stuff like this i'm not really looking too much around the league um this is more just for falcon's sake and just trying to eyeball positions i see that i think that we could use um i would love to grab um any of those guys that i just mentioned if we can get them in the fourth or fifth round yeah, I agree, dude. I Maybe mean, not so much a Chris Rodriguez, because I don't know if he really fits what we're trying to do right here. I think we definitely right. need that more change of pace type guy. Not really a not really a uh his name always slips me. BYU running back that plays on the Atlanta Falcons. Had a thousand yards as a rookie rusher last Algier. year. Tyler Algier, thank you so much. I was listing off stats so everybody knew I knew who he was. <laughs> but I don't think we're just gonna try to find a clone of him. I think, you know, definitely like a Kenny McIntosh or somebody that would be ideal. 
Agreed. Agreed. There's a lot of guys we could make a run at later on that would make an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. And we saw it last year. As bad as it, as 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 tough as it is to say, because he is a, a local product. Uh, went to the same high school as us. I I think Caleb Huntley's going to be the odd man out. I think that's going to be a spot they're going to try to look to replace him. It's not because he is a, a bad football player. He had great success when he got to see time on the field. It's just, like I mentioned, when he went down with that Achilles injury last season, that's whenever we really got to see Tyler Algier step into that number one running back spot full time. And he just went so crazy that he almost seems like the guy that's going to get 20 carries a game. And you have to have a number two back that can do everything else. And I don't know if that's really going to be Huntley's game. Um, yeah. And I think there's questions if that's going to be Cordero's game. A lot of people don't know if Cordero is going to have longevity to be that, you know, yeah. number two guy. So I think that's something the Falcons really, really attack. Any other guys you think the Falcons should take a look at in this draft for, before we get up out of here? I'm looking now, man. There's Position so many. Groups. There's so many. I would love to explore wide receiver later on. Um I think we're going to have a good opportunity to get a good guy, you know, I agree. in a day two, day three situation at receiver. Um, obviously, I've got us taking uh, defensive back in the first round. If we don't address that, then I'd like to address that at some point. Um, offensively, would love to go interior offensive line. If we could get somewhere around there, maybe in a day two or day three, I'm thinking like an Andrew Voorhees. Okay. Um. Later on in the draft, something like that. Um, I think we could probably get a, a, a lot of impact from that on a day one thing. Um, if we know what's going on with the pass catching situation, I wouldn't mind, um, you know, a blocking more threat tight end inside the box. I know we bring in Johnu Smith, but, and I'm not calling Johnu Smith. Kyle Pitts, but the skill set of Jonu Smith to Kyle Pitts is, uh, you know, a little bit closer than I think we could get the maximum impact on an offense from a secondary tight end. I think, uh, you know, you talked about, or I think we talked about, whether it was on air or off air, the Chiefs, the rumors have been that the Chiefs love Darnell Washington. And you think, why would they go after Darnell Washington when they got the best tight end in the NFL? It's because they're completely different. And what Darnell Washington can bring to your offense is going to open up the other tight end, the the other pass catchers. And um, if we really are truly thinking about taking Kyle Pence and playing him out wide, playing him off ball 100% of the time, I would love, you know, some kind of a down and dirty tight end. Now, I don't know what that looks like personnel-wise, but I know they're out there. Um, but, yeah, man, there's I think there's so many different ways that we could go later on in this draft that we could get a lot of impact from day one. And, um, you know, maybe the best way to do that is to trade back like you kind of predicted. Yeah, and, and the thing that could bring some excitement, if we do trade back, that obviously is probably going to add an extra second-round pick this year. I would think that would be a part of the deal with trading back, particularly right. how that kind of works. Um, and, man, let me tell you, I think that if this Falcons team goes, you know, not boring, obviously you had, what, Devon Witherspoon going to Atlanta in the first round, and I had us getting Peter Skronsky. But if we do not add an offensive weapon with that first-round pick, I think that is going to be the biggest need with that second-round pick. Um, yeah. And I think we're lucky enough where there is a plethora of 
wide receiver talents or even tight end talent, like you mentioned. We go out and get a Darnell Washington, a second round pick, if he's hanging around. You, then we will know that the plan is probably to move Kyle Pitts out wide. You could have Darnell and John, who was those two big guys. Um, or, you know, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Or Tank Dell from Houston. Guys that can get vertical. Guys that can get downfield and make plays. Marvin Mims from uh, Oklahoma. Jonathan Nego from Ole Miss. I know that uh, maybe... Rashi Rice. Yep, yep. Talk about him, too. Um, I love I, him. I'll tell you a guy that is going to be the steal of draft from the wide receiver position. I'm not going Keyshawn Boutte because I do think he's going to fall down boards like crazy because he did not have great production at the end of last year, and his athleticism in the combine was absolutely awful. <laughs> Dude had like a 26-inch vertical. Um, it's going to be Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman is going to be the guy we look at five years from now and say, how did this kid fall down this draft? Yeah. People forget two years ago before this big time, huge Tennessee offense started going crazy. And it was just, you know, just middling Tennessee. People forget how good this kid was. He battled injuries last year. Did get to see a little bit of playing time, but all the spotlight was on Jalen Hyatt's blazing speed. Cedric Tillman is a physical specimen. I don't know if he's the guy that, for Atlanta, because I do don't I don't know if we really want that big body guy that's not going to bring you too much, you know, speed on the outside. But a team that is wanting to get a guy, maybe, you know, Mike Evans asked DeAndre Hopkins ask. Um, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins earlier, saying that you think he still has some gas in the tank. I do too, because I think his game is more as a jump ball catcher and as a guy that can go up and get the ball than as a active catch type guy. Yeah. Um, we saw it with Arizona just only two years ago, and people seem to forget that. Um, and I think Cedric Tillman really fits that mold as well. He might not be the flashiest prospect when you look at like athleticism and stuff, but pure ability to go up and get spot throws. I, I don't know if there's a better guy in this draft that I've seen. I agree. This could be a guy year two. He's caught 12 touchdown passes and has 800, 900 receiving yards. Maybe not, yeah. maybe not your uh, prototypical number one, but maybe like a T Higgins comp. Right. Being a damn good number two. Yeah, dude, I'm looking. There's there's a lot of great options later on. Yeah, I think this wide I mean, I even like a Justin Shorter from Florida. Like there's there's yeah. a lot of guys I really, really like. Um I wanna say there's an old Georgia boy, old Matt Landers, went on to Arkansas and had a fantastic season last year. He's entering the draft this year. Um I can't remember. Did you mention Ronnie Bell from Michigan? I did not mention Ronnie Bell, but that's another guy. I mean the list just goes on and on at this wide receiver position. Even then, I'm going to tell you this. If we snag a Kayshawn Boutte with the th- in the third or fourth round, I will be ecstatic just yeah, from what we've right. seen on football. Just from what we've seen on a football field. Get rid oh, of yeah. the combine stuff. Get rid of maybe a lackluster 2022 season and take it back to what we thought this kid was going to be. Don't this care. was the number one wide receiver two years ago. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to what you're talking about, a day three pick and Kayshawn Boutte, okay. Like it, it would not get much better than that. Um, and maybe who knows? Maybe we go a bigger wide receiver because Drake London is a slot, and we could still have a bigger guy on the outside. Um, you never know, man. That is the fun thing about this. That is the really fun thing about this Atlanta Falcons team. I do think that we are well rounded enough on the defensive front that we might not pursue too much there we have a lot of depth on the defensive front now which is something i never thought i would ever say in my life as an atlanta falcons fan (laughs) maybe not the most top end talent on the defensive front but a lot of big bodies that can go out there and play football um 
and a pretty damn good offensive line. So maybe this might be an exciting draft for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I feel like for years now, I will say this though. I know I've, I've said I will say this like 800 times. Ever since the Terry Fontenot regime has came in, this Falcons team has pursued athletic talent in the first round. We've seen A.J. Terrell, we've seen Cal Pitts, we've seen Drake London. Are they going to keep the trend going and stay out of the trenches and keep on adding talent? Obviously, you had a DB going, so that kind of fits the mold of what we've been doing. I had an offensive line going, which is something we have not really done. Yeah. Um, but we have been kind of in a feel-out process with a lot of our guys when it comes to Lindstrom and McGarry and you know Jalen Mayfield. As bad as that is to say, <laughs> um, Drew Dahlman, Matt Hennessy. So I think we're going to start trying to weed some of those guys out and bring in talent to replace them. What better draft to do it, man, than a draft with elite top-end talent that everybody's going to rush to get and then forget about day, come day three? Thanks. Thanks. Also, I mean, if you want to go offensive line, we're talking about a draft that has eight, eight, seven, eight. First-round caliber guys, to me. Guys that would be a number one offensive line prospect in other draft classes. I mean, realistically, to me, Peter Skronsky, easy first-round pick. Broderick Jones, easy first-round pick. Donald Wright, easy first-round pick. Paris Johnson Jr., easy first-round pick. That's four guys. Um, Anton Harrison, do you think he has a good shot to go in the first round? I didn't have him there, but I, I think that's definitely a possibility. Cody Motch from North Dakota State has been not in some people's yep. areas to go in the first round. Osiris Torrance, maybe one of the better offensive guard tackles or offensive guard prospects we've seen in, you know, recent history. We go in the first round. I mean, that's just a couple names. And even after that, I mean, it, it's, it's, this, this is a fun draft, and it might not be the deepest at some positions. I, I do think that we do get some I agree with you, and I think that there is a drop-off. But I think near the third or fourth round, I do think in the second round it could get interesting. You'd be like, man, is that guy really worth the second round pick? But I do think in the third and fourth round there's going to be a whole lot of good value. I agree. I think think the drop-off is just drop-off from, you know, your... Guy, you feel confident reaching out there and, and you know making an effort to go snag immediately, mm-hmm. and not to say a drop off in talent. I think the talent is still there; it's just not you know forecasted number one guy in his position like it has been in in recent years. There's not really the there's a couple of positions like corner, like the, like the the super deep positions that we talked about, to where you can go in the second round or third round and grab a guy that's been talked about as being a potential first round pick at some point in his college career. But in some drafts, I mean, you've got guys, I mean, we're talking about guys that fall back, you know, fourth round that come in and make an immediate impact and no one knows how they got there. I'm not sure that that's it this draft, but I do think that the tier that you're looking for on a day two, day three, day four, day five, you know, how, how whatever or round i should say round four or five you know all the way back there i think you're getting a higher quality of talent pulled up in those um than in in a lot of draft classes i agree so too and i I think that's something we're going to see year after year just because i do think the college football game is evolving into the nfl just by play style and we're seeing a lot of these teams running NFL offenses so you kind of get to see these guys in systems that match teams a lot better so you're sitting there watching guys and it's not so much of a fluke anymore like 
hell, just 10 years ago, you'd watch a guy in an offense, and he might be the best player at the college football level, and you'd think there's no way in hell this guy could play at the NFL level. I mean, we saw yeah. it with Tim Tebow, Johnny Menzel. Like, there's a plethora of guys. Nowadays, that's not really the case. Every team runs pro style. Um, You at least get to see a, you know, even though they might not look good in the system, or they might not show the most, you get to see the potential they hold in that system, which is nice. Right. Um... But yeah, I mean, I think we've done enough rambling now. Now we just go and wait until tomorrow or today if you're listening to the podcast. Um, about draft, it is it is draft day on the podcast side of things. By the time you listen to this, it will be the day of the draft. Turn your tweet notifications on for all these guys, for Rappaport, Schefter, and every NFL insider you can think of because I guarantee your phone is going to be blowing up with... Uh, no tipping picks. Yes, no tipping picks. Good thing is with the NFL draft, you don't get that as much. The NBA draft, holy cow. They'd be tweeting out 15 minutes early. It's ridiculous. I looked one time, uh, they were seven picks ahead. Oh my gosh. No, I don't know. That that might be an exaggeration. But they were a couple picks ahead. They were like, yeah, and then with the fifth pick, the blah, 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 is playing on selecting blah, blah, blah. I was like, Jesus, I can't even enjoy the draft. I just opened my beer. Mm Mm-hmm. And watch it for the storylines. You're going to learn a lot of cool stories about all these young men. That's always what happens. Oh, yeah. You're going to learn stuff that you never knew about these kids. Um, and it might make you become a fan of somebody that you would never expect. That is it for me. Kenny, I'll let you go ahead and give your little closing thoughts. Um, I hope you guys really did enjoy. Um, I know that we put a lot of work into this, trying to muster together our perfect mock drafts. And I think we, yeah. I, I think, I think we did very well. I will say that. Um, yeah. We both pretty much stayed on track. I don't think we had neither of us had any outlandish picks at any point. No, I mean, we didn't have every pick exactly the same, but we're both going to be perfectly right. No, yes, no wrong answers. So I don't know how that works out, but you do the math. Um, thank you guys for listening, man. There was a lot of work that got put into this, like Jake said, but we enjoy it. We enjoy every second of it. I personally am just so excited about this draft. Let's see what happens, man. Go out here, enjoy it. You know, Hang out with your buddies, hang out with your family, sit back, see your team's going to pick up, and uh, you know, we'll come back next episode and, and uh, probably just bash everybody and talk all the crap in the world. So looking forward to that too. Also, underrated part of the NFL draft, the Saturday afternoon portion of the draft where the pick's coming out like every minute, mm-hmm. and you're just sitting there. For me personally, I'm just sitting there waiting for my Georgia guys to get drafted. And I'm like, okay, this yeah. is the pick. Like, there's no way Warren McClendon's still on the board. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is where he's going. And then just getting so pumped up. They don't even show them on the screen or anything. It's like a Burger King commercial, and you just see the name pop up across the bottom. <laughs> whopper, whopper, double whopper. whopper. Double whopper. <laughs> Love it. All right. Appreciate it, guys.